This is Raynor's podcast, The Creative Mindset. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Creative Mindset, a podcast about what the future holds at the intersection of creativity and technology. I am Raynor Moto, the founding partner of IONCO, a global innovation firm based in New York and Tokyo. Today's episode is AMA Ask Me Anything, where we answer questions from our listeners. Instead of just answering them by myself, we invite them to be on a show and make that into an open conversation. Today's question came from Leah Safina, who is a digital product designer based in Hawaii. Originally from Belarus, she immigrated to the US when she was younger and started her career as a designer in New York City. Before the pandemic, she traveled around the world and ended up settling down in Hawaii during the pandemic. I write a newsletter, and in one of the articles, I mentioned about personal branding. That was the article that she responded to, and she wanted to ask me about branding in general and how she can break through the ceiling that she feels that she has as a female immigrant in the United States. So let's get started. Ask me anything. Leah, it's been a long time. Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you too, Ray. So, just to give our listeners a little bit of context, Leah and I used to work together at my company before COVID. So, it must have been four, three, four years ago. You were a freelancer with us for,、uh, for several months or so before you、uh, went on your world tour trip. And then COVID hit. So, tell us、uh, and tell the audience where you are. So, I'm currently located in Hawaii and I've been living here for two and a half years now, which is very unexpected. I never meant to stay here. I was visiting, but then I just created this amazing community here. I met my partner here, who is also in innovation.、Um, and, you know, I blinked and it's been two and a half years that I'm here. Well, it's not a, a bad place to be stuck in for, <laughs> for two and a half years. I mean, You know, just、uh, we were chit chatting before、uh, starting the, the recording that the devastation from the fire, you were on a different island,、uh, so you weren't affected by it. But,、uh, you know, hope that the state of Hawaii, just in general, recovers from that as quickly as possible. Yes, it's, it's truly a heartbreaking event and truly a big tragedy, especially for, you know, the native Hawaiians, the culture of Hawaii, and what. What I can say though is that I'm observing the communities really coming together, all the different islands sending the,、um, the help, the donations, all the materials that people need coming together to support the organizations. And truly, Hawaii is very, very resilient. And、um, I really hope that you know, people will find a way through and the Haina is going to be rebuilt the same way that it was、um, and not turned into a new touristic destination with luxury hotels. Right, definitely. Well, best of luck. And,、uh, you know, anybody who can support, please,、uh, please, please, please do. So, to get into the conversation, if you can just give a, a quick background about you and what you've done. And then, you know, you sent us your question via email, but wanted to have you、uh, talk to us about the question that you wanted to discuss. Perfect. So, I work in digital innovation. Originally, I was a UX UI designer for different websites and apps and services. But、um, over the years, I found my niche and specialization in working in new and emerging technologies. To simplify it, I constantly solve the new use cases in the areas where there are no best practices. So, you cannot copy something that's already out there. You have to figure out from scratch whether it's 
AR, VR, blockchain, AI, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It could be as simple as new approach to e-commerce, new approach to dating apps, new approach to uh, media. Um, so anything that can really uh, streamline the processes for people, simplify their lives um, is something that I love doing. And I was very fortunate to work with over, I think, 70 different companies over the years. So um, it's been a great ride. 70 different companies. Yeah, seven zero. <laughs> wow. I, I, hold, I have a spreadsheet with every single project I ever worked on, uh, coded by the type of medium, type of industry, different agencies that I work with. So I try to keep track. <laughs> you, you must be a, a UX designer. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. That's uh, exactly the origin that I, um, I come from. So the question that um, I sent you, and I noticed that you were providing so much helpful advice to people in different senior uh, leadership ro roles in creative industry. And I couldn't help by, but jump on the train and try to get some wisdom from you as well on the subject of personal branding, but more specifically how you show up um, in the public spaces. And by public spaces, I mean um, different media publications, conferences, podcast features, any place when people can learn that you exist, that these are the services you provide and just listen to your case studies and stories. And what I found out, um, so myself being an immigrant, which I think is quite important for this question because I did not go to a fancy school in America. I do not have these connections across all the different people who started their own businesses and went on to take the roles of leadership, right? Um, I had to build everything from scratch. Mm -hmm. And what I'm noticing is that whatever you are reaching out to journalists, podcasts, etc., it seems to be a barrier. There seems to be some kind of glass ceiling where if you don't have a powerful company name, such as Amazon mm -hmm. or Nike or Spotify, directly in your role description, uh, you tend to be ignored. So it's not really a meritocracy. It's mm. all about who do you know, right? And whether you're able to pay a couple of thousand dollars for a subscription service mm -hmm. that's going to provide PR for you. There's another layer that I would like to provide is that um, with my career specifically, I deliberately build my path to be very versatile as a designer. Mm. So I did not go in-house for many, many years. For almost seven years i've been freelancing with different projects and different agencies mm -hmm. and when i talk to people from bigger companies like google and spotify i can say that our level of skill and leadership is on par but i don't have that big company name behind mm -hmm. me and it was deliberate i want to you know work as a consultant mm -hmm. as a freelancer and so a lot of my submissions get overlooked because of that mm. Um, so this is a very much open-ended question. We can go anywhere from here, but yeah. essentially it's about getting people to know that you exist mm -hmm. um, and building your brand on the, in the public arena. Yeah, that's a really complicated question, I would say, um, for several reasons. Number one, the game has changed in the past 10 years drastically. Um, and number two, especially in the past 12 to 18 months, with the sudden leap of AI, particularly generative AI as a, as a tool, is going, like the next 10 years, I think will be drastically different and even more different than the previous 10 years that we've seen, right? So um, 
And then the third thing is the traditional ways of getting noticed might not be as relevant as much as we worry about they are in terms of their relevance and importance, right? So going back to my first point about how the game has changed and, you know, I don't need to explain to you, I don't need to explain to our listeners how certain things that weren't possible 10 years ago is now possible, especially when it comes to personal branding, right? So for instance, sort of an extreme example of that would be somebody like Mr. Beast, who is 25, 26 years old. You know, he's from like North Carolina or something. And six, seven, eight years ago, he just started uploading YouTube videos of him playing games and commenting on them. And then now he's one of, if not the biggest uh, star on YouTube. And then the number of followers he's got is like more than several network TV stations combined. That kind of phenomenon wasn't possible 10 years ago, right? So that's what I mean by the game has changed and what wasn't possible 10 years ago is now possible. Because of technology, I would say the competition is going to get even more fierce in the next 10 years than the previous uh, 10 years, right? And then the last point that I was making was the traditional um, platforms and media places that used to be the place to get, to get noticed may not be as relevant and as important as you think. And what I mean by that is that I think um, in general, um, especially when it comes to branding and personal branding, although the competition is, is much more fierce now than it was 10 years ago, and it's going to be much more, uh, much more competitive in, in the, the coming years, it also, I think, is going to create more niches where individuals like yourself, like myself, and like uh, you know, hundreds and thousands, if not tens of thousands of designers can thrive. And if you have, say, 10,000 followers, you know, that might actually be enough to really make a pretty decent, good living. You don't have to have 10 million followers or even a, a million followers. You know, there are plenty of uh, mini, I mean, if you have less than a million followers these days, you're not a, I mean, there are so many, you know, influencers with millions of followers. But say, if you have 100,000 followers or even like 10,000 followers, that might be just more than enough for you to, um, to make a perfectly comfortable uh, living. So for instance, I'll just give you a very personal example. So like my wife, who used to work in a corporate environment for 15 years in Japan, and um, just a couple of years ago, she quit. And in the past two or three years or so, she decided to become a, a personal uh, professional career coach. And she's got less than 5,000 followers on her Instagram, but she's actually making more money now than she was when she had a full-time job. So the, the number of followers or your personal brand might not depend on the big media uh, places that might not call you back or that might not feature you. And I... I I don't know 
how, yeah, of course, you know, you'd be good to be featured in Fast Company or Wired or, you know, How Magazine or what have you. But just because you get featured in those places may not mean that your personal brand is not where it should be. Um, I immediately wanted to ask a follow-up. Um, when are we seeing you on TikTok, Ray? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, uh, I did open an account. And um, so one thing that, um, you know, I'm you know, older than you and I'm older than probably a lot of our listeners. I'm in my 40s. And I think with the, 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 with the advent of social media, and the ever-increasing complexity in the landscape of social media and multiple options that you have, you know, like when I started my career, there was no social media, there was no mobile. You can make a website, you have xyz.com, and that was your playground. And then, you know, blogs started to become big, and then YouTube came, and then Facebook came, and, and so forth and so forth, right? And now there are so many different types and so many different ways of expressing yourself that it's easy to feel like you have to be good at multiple uh, media outlets. But one thing that I've learned, and I, I feel like I'm still learning, is that I think one needs to find a medium that they are good at. And I, I've experimented with, you know, Instagram and, and I mean, I, yeah, I, I post on Instagram and, and I don't really post on TikTok, but I, I'm not, I'm not sure I, just yet that if that's my go-to media for, for the time being, like my medium for the time being, like 10 years ago, uh, it used to be conferences. Like I used to go speak at conferences and then like in the past three or four years, so just because of COVID, you know, that kind of stopped all of a sudden. And I, I, I do get invited and I do get asked to, to speak at conferences. But one thing that I did in the past, say, like 15 years ago, very occasionally, and I got a decent traction. And then now I'm doing a lot more of is writing. And, you know, as you, as you know, I started a newsletter not too long ago, but I think for the time being, writing is my medium because that's where I get to organize complicated thoughts and simplify them down into a few um, tangible, you know, insights. And could I make TikTok videos? Yes, of course. But I think I have my own occupational mental barrier that like if I make a TikTok video like oh I want to do this I want, like I want to make it almost like too too perfect and that's not what TikTok is about TikTok is about speed TikTok is about just you know constant immediate uh, expression yeah and um, maybe you know maybe I'll <laughs> get myself to do it on a, on a more consistent basis but I, I think what I'm trying to say is I think everybody has a medium that they are either meant for or they're good at. And it's easy to be blinded by whatever the most popular um, media platform might be. And then that's where you think you should go. But it might not be. 
Yeah, absolutely. And there, I think there's a lot of pressure, mm. to your point, um, for millennials, people in their 30s to show up on TikTok. Mm. But I feel like there's this mm. this fear of showing up on camera. And I think the previous generation had this fear mm. showing up on Instagram with their personal photos, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, but yeah. interestingly enough, I've been consulting with a VC specialist in innovation or a LinkedIn specialist that I found through their TikTok. So, you know, if you really power through and you feel like um, you can show up raw and unedited, exactly like you're saying, mm -hmm. then the the results are very much exponential. Yeah. The question is whether it's your medium or not. And I think people can only get it through experimentation. And truly, I'm pushing myself. I think it's my big goal for the next year to try and see whether that's something that I can be good at mm -hmm. or, you know, let it go and continue at um, some other different medium. Yeah. So just because everybody else is doing it, doesn't mean that you should. And one of the things about social media or just personal branding in general is just lower your bar, you know, lower the, the bar of, uh, of your own standard. Because I think you yourself could be, or we ourselves, especially as designers, could be our own biggest critic and our uh, biggest enemy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, consistency and regularity is uh, is key when it comes to social media and uh, personal branding? Um, social media is great for a very particular audience. Um, my hypothesis mm -hmm. is if as a service provider, as a thought leader, you're trying to connect with individuals, social media is perfect because this is how a lot of people mm -hmm. get coaching, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But if you're targeting companies and personally for me, Working in innovation is a, is a really interesting career path because a lot of these jobs, they don't mm. get posted out there. Right. So in order to get something that's very much out there, you have to be known as a person who can handle this, who has experience. And I feel like when your audience is companies, still traditional mm -hmm. outlets such as Forbes or Business Insider or Wired are highly relevant even mm. right now. So with that in mind, yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any perspective on whether it's worth uh, trying to show up in that medium or mm -hmm. whether you feel like it's still very much gatekept and you have to own your own company, you have to run a hundred, uh, hundred people offices in order to be considered? Here's something that really kickstarted my um, pursuit of being a little bit more known in the industry. Um, very recently, I spoke, uh, I spoke at a conference and I was a morning keynote speaker. Mm -hmm. My peer from Amazon was a keynote speaker in the evening. We were absolutely um, equal in terms of our placements as keynote speakers in the program. And me and her became really good friends after the conference. We were um, getting drinks and we we're, were talking and she's like, well, how, how much did you get paid for the speaking gig? And I said, nothing. Hmm. And she said, whoa, well, I got my flights paid for and I got a couple of thousand dollars off speaking fee. And what it equates to is because behind her name, she had Amazon. And behind my name, I had just my, you know, consulting company. Yeah. Even though I worked on Nike, I worked on Toyota and I worked on Google Projects. Yeah. So that's something that I feel is a systemic issue in the design world, yeah, yeah. you get overlooked just because you didn't have these names and it's not merit-based. It's 
name dropping based, if, if I may, but I would love to hear your perspective on that. This may not be what you want to hear, right? But I would say the, the world is not, is not a fair place, right? And whether it's the school that you went to, whether it's the place that you worked for, whether it's somebody that you know or somebody that you're connected to, those are, I think, factors of how things work, partially, right? So you have to, I think, build something that you become known for. And instead of relying on like Uber or Meta or Google or Toyota or whatever, those are other names that you rely on to, to build your brand, which by the way, is a way of building a brand, right? But just relying on that, I don't think is going to get you beyond that. Like, I think you have to be known for what you do and what you make if you're a designer or what you write or what have you. And that's something that I, like, I hear a lot from you. Oh, I don't have this name or I don't have that name on my resume or behind me. But I'm yet to hear from you, okay, this is what I've done or this is what I've made and that became known. Like you said that, you know, you, you, you work in the, in the fringes of new technologies and how to apply those new technologies uh, for the benefit of the user. That sounds great, but I'm yet to hear from you, this is the thing that I've done to prove that point. So here comes the second part of the thing that I'm trying to overcome with more visibility, which is NDAs. Mm, mm. So here's an example. I worked on a project for Nike. We were building an extremely innovative new part of post-purchase mm. experience for their app. They did not launch it yet, mm. and I cannot show it. I worked on this new city for Toyota where everything is self-driving and there are robots, and we're building dashboards for people who manage these robots and for citizens who live there. None of this has been released, and I'm not, being, I'm not mm. able to show it to people. Etc. Etc. There's so many. I would probably say half of mm. all the work that I've done is extremely protected by NDAs. So my pursuit, and I absolutely agree with you. I think it's it it is paramount to be known for the work, and that's something that I'm working towards. That's the reason why I speak at conferences and. Mind you, I still talk about my work for Toyota in the conferences, but I don't show mm -hmm. it. I talk about the methodology of how I was mm -hmm. able to solve certain problems. But that's why my hypothesis was that um, showing up at Forbes, showing up at Business Insider, showing up at Wired, and being able to provide a take on certain technologies, being able to speak about the methodology, being able to mention certain things would create that um, support system, as you say, you know, really showing the receipts that you're able to do it. But unfortunately, half of my projects yeah. are heavily NDA'd and there's just no way around it. So one of the things that I wrote in the newsletter that you responded to, where I talked about, you know, how to build a brand as a designer. And I talked about four 
elements of not just a personal brand, but any brand. And those four uh, elements are relevance, differentiation, presentation, uh, and consistency, right? And what you talked about, what you just talked about, the fact that you cannot really show the work that, that supposedly these really innovative uh, projects that you worked on for Nike or Toyota that you cannot show is point number three, presentation. Like the fact that you are not able to present, visually present the work is um, a disadvantage, right? So as a designer, I think I, my, I'm, I'm a, I call myself a designer and I'm a little, there are many different types of designers, but at the end of the day, we make things, we make visible things. If we don't have a thing that we don't become known for, then the question is, what does she, what do they, what do, what, what does he, what, what do they design? They say they, they do innovation, but I don't see it. <laughs> they talk about it, but I don't see it. So you might be rushing a bit too much, you know? So yeah, it would be nice to get f- featured in Forbes or Wired or, or those big name publications or you you know it'd be nice to be pursued than to pursue but say like you know if you spend the next two years and two years not that long i mean we spent (laughs) inside our homes for the past you know two for two years in the past three and a half years right yeah and like if you if you have a really iconic piece of work that you can claim that you really had a significant involvement in. And on the other side of it, you can claim, like, as long as you can, don't take credit for you can't, you know, you didn't really do, right? Because people will find out. Yeah. But work on something for, say, 24 months and really, you know, knee deep, heads down, and then the work is something that you can credibly say that I was part, you know, something like Toyota Woven, I mean, that's a huge project, so you're not the only one doing it, right? So it's part of the team that you'll be working on. But I, th- I think my advice would be to, to find a project that you can spend, say, 24 months and that you could be known for and without that, I think you might be rushing to build your personal brand. I think you're, you're, you're really getting at a very important theme that I think will be relevant mm. for so many people listening to us is that it's very easy to be impatient and it's very hard to be patient. But that's something that my generation needs to, to remind ourselves of. Mm. The generation of people who lived, who worked in one career for 20 years, for 30 years, 50 years, And then we have the generation that uh, starts a company when they're 18 on TikTok and suddenly gets 100,000 followers and never have to Mm -hmm. enter Mm -hmm. the corporate world, right? There's a sense of instant gratification and there's a sense of impatience and there's a sense of, I'm seeing all of these examples of people who are extremely young, ambitious and capable um, achieving something. And it could be very daunting on on yourself and your career. And that's why 
for me, I was thinking a lot about being patient and exactly what you're saying, really taking my time with working on something um, that could truly be a representation mm -hmm. of my brand or hopefully one of the projects that I worked on in the previous years yeah, will yeah. finally be released. <laughs> on, on top of that, it's so easy to be distracted because of social media. Um, it's so easy to feel that you're missing out on something just because you don't have 10,000 followers or, or 100,000 followers. You know, that it, it's easy to feel that you're behind. And that's something that, that I that I have to, at my age, too, in my 40s, that I have to struggle and battle as well, not be distracted by social media, not be distracted by the fact that, you know, somebody that I used to work with 10 years ago, let's say he's quite successful or she's quite successful and she's got, you know, 500,000 followers or what, what have you. It's easy to compare myself to other people. That's, that's, another, that's another thing that I just thought about is, like comparison can really kill your mojo. So the only thing, the only person that you have to compare is you yesterday. You know, am I doing better than me yesterday? And that's, that, that I think should be the only comparison that you should make because otherwise it's unhealthy. It, it will make you feel like shit. You know, you feel like you're incompetent. Um, yeah. So like comparison, as long, like, forget about comparison. The only person that you should compare is yourself. Absolutely. You know, like, I'm, I'm you know, a few years, I'm a lot more than a few years older than you. And I've gone through the ringers of making things in my 20s and 30s. Yeah. And then by the time I hit my 40s, then, because I was managing, like, literally, until I started my own company, I was the head of, you know, a 2,000 person company and I was a global chief creative officer. So I had a lot of people to manage and I had a lot of things to show for. Right. Yeah. But that's because I spent five years, 10 years making and building things. And then I started writing and people started to, to, to listen and the publication that, you know, a fast company and other publications started to take me seriously because I had things to show for. Yeah. So you know, you're still young enough. You're still young enough. Don't, don't, and you're never too old, by the way. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can be a 75 year old and become a, 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 a TikToker, right? Yeah. So nowadays we live longer. There's a lot more, there are a lot more choices uh, in terms of where you show up and where you express yourself. So don't worry, don't worry about that for now. But I would say you're young enough that uh, uh, building a few things that you can be later known for don't worry about being known for something now but i would say focus on um yeah just making things in the next couple of years like making one thing that you think hey this is the thing that i want to be known for not sure if that's if you, not sure not sure if that's what you wanted to hear <laughs> no 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 of course So that was AMA, Ask Me Anything, and I answered a question about personal branding from Via Safina, a product designer based in Hawaii. This session was a little bit unexpected for me because 
as I was trying to peel the layers of her question about personal branding and how she wanted to get noticed by bigger publications and bigger media outlets, what I realized through the conversation, as you heard in, in, in my session with her, was that I felt like she was getting too hung up on the outcome and the, the positive result of what she uh, would be doing. Um, so I think she was focusing a little bit too much on the challenges and obstacles and sort of not looking at what she really needed to do now in order to get to where she could be a year from now or two years from now. And sometimes, and I think it's a common symptom that myself included, to be honest, that people might have who are trying to establish their personal brand online these days. There are so many tutorials. There are so many branding gurus. There are so many social media growth experts out there who are touting and promoting their methods and their systems of growing your brand. Hey, you should be posting how many times a day, you should be posting this type of reel, this type of post, you should be using this kind of trending audio and so forth. There are so many little tricks and techniques and even gimmicks that you can use to boost your post. And the drug that you could get addicted to is that those things could work. You might see a boost in your post, you might see a boost in the number of followers, but I don't believe that those things are good for your personal brand in the long run. The tricky thing about the age that we live in and the platforms that we have to be on, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or Twitter or what have you, is that they change over time and unexpectedly and unpredictably. So if you are too hung up on these little techniques that and algorithms that these platforms introduce every few months or so, when they change, your techniques might, might, not, um, might not be relevant. So instead, really focus on the work that you're doing, really focus on the, the core, the nature of the content and what you're trying to show and what you're trying to say. And then the, the byproduct of that might be more followers, might be a mention uh, in a publication or in a media outlet. So take it slow. I know we live in a, in a fast-paced world, but take it slow, be patient, be consistent, aim for quality, not quantity. Don't rely on tricks or, or gimmicks and stay the course for a while, hopefully, a year, two years, and I'm sure, I'm certain that yeah, you'll be rewarded. Part two is a continuation of my conversation with Dia, and we go into Web3, AI, and how those new technologies might affect our professions. She's a digital product designer, so that is naturally a topic she's keen to explore, as I am. So stay tuned. If you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, there's a Q&A input, so please do send us your questions and comments. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, and if you like our podcast, please leave us a five-star rating. We'll be so grateful. I'm Ray Namoto, and this is The Creative Mindset. See you next time.